Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 119, The Embodiment of God. I am broadcasting live for live for me from the Worldwide Shed Quarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. I'm here for a quick pre-Christmas podcast episode with you guys because I've been thinking a lot, mainly about embodiment, but this week in particular, the embodiment of God. Um, when you think about being a human being, right, uh, our bodies affect us so much. We got a good start uh, last week with our, or last episode with our podcast, Jesse and I, talking about the beauty of embodiment as a Christian. Now, there's layers to that, right? We experience life so much in our bodies. Right now, my body's sore, man. I've been coaching wrestling. I've been demonstrating a lot with the high school team. And so I feel good. I feel kind of, you know, feel like I got a little bit still, you know what I'm saying? But also stuff hurts differently. Uh, you know, the embodied experience is a gracious gift. Now, this gets deeper when you start thinking about the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of the Bible. But before we get to that, this Christmas week, I'm a couple days, I guess today, what is today's day? The 21st. This is Tuesday, the 21st when I'm recording it. Hopefully I'll get it out today too. We'll see. I'll be writing my Christmas letters to my kids today. I'm excited about that. Lots of transitions in our family coming up with one going to college. But before we send those somebodies to universities and things, today uh, we're going to talk about a different kind of sending of the most important somebody, the embodiment of God. Now, in, in review, right, we looked last time that uh, Christian teaching says that uh, the human being is an embodied being. Sometimes the word psycho, soul, somatic, soma, body, psychosomatic unity is used. Uh, the body is created by God and for God, that we can honor God's uh, honor God with our bodies, or we can dishonor God and harm other people with our bodies. There's positive things that we do with our bodies, like worship. There are certainly uh, deleterious, negative things that we do with our bodies. Now, here's the beautiful thing. God created the idea of embodiment. It matters to him. How do we know that human embodiment matters to God? First of all, he made it Secondly, and most important, at Christmas time, he took it on. That the God who created all things, right, becomes an embodied being. This is mind blowing. It's shocking. But hey, it's Christmas time. Now, there's lots of traditions around Christmas. Lots of them involve baby Jesus, right? The birth of Christ. Some things that are endearing to us even culturally. There's a reason why Apple TV Plus uh, spent a ton of money, right, uh, to have um, access to the Charles Schultz Peanuts cartoon classics like It's Christmas, Charlie Brown, or The Great Pumpkin, these kinds of things that celebrate holiday traditions. But if you recall, there is a passage in the Bible, right, that is about the embodiment of God, or at least the celebration of it. Now, uh, culturally, we've made it kind of silly with Ricky Bobby, right, making eight pounds, six pounds, uh, baby Jesus in a golden fleece diaper, the one he wants to worship, that's not. The Christmas cards are great. The little mangers are great. Get get your Jesus uh, in your manger, ethnically correct, please. <laughs> 
But the marvel of Christmas time, I think, was done well. Certainly, um, when you ask what Christmas was all who knows about. What Christmas is all about. This is on YouTube, of course, um, where Linus, right, dragging his blanket across the stage, goes to a passage of marvel and worship. We'll just listen to this. This is from the King James Version of Luke chapter 2. And there were the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. There's something profound when all the hustle and bustle of Christmas, we push the pause button on it to step back and worship. Why? Well, it's more than just a cultural unifier. Christmas is more than a time to get presents, to give gifts, drink eggnog, uh, cook prime rib roast with bones in it, right? (laughs) At least that's what I like to do. There's more to it. This week, uh, the past week, I was in a Bible study with my uh, wrestlers here, Virginia Tech coaches, and we kind of been doing Philippians for you know several months actually. Slowly, you know, off we off of practice on a Monday, we miss a week here and there, but just the last time before I was going to um, we depart for some travel and Christmas and things, we happened to be providentially, I'd like to say, God had guided us to Philippians chapter two verse. Verses 5 through 11, which is primarily a Christmas verse. Why? It's about the embodiment of God. Now, here's the thing. This passage comes right after the Apostle Paul, one of the early leaders of Christianity, right, that Jesus was using to spread the gospel throughout the world, had just encouraged people to something that's very difficult. He said, do nothing, and by in the Greek, that means nothing, right? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, right? We think humility is a virtue. In the time Paul was writing this, virtue, virtues would be like glory and strength and power and Rome, right? This kind of stuff. But in humility, consider others more significant than yourselves. This is challenging, man. You want to think about doing nothing out of selfish ambition, nothing out of vanity and conceit, nothing that's just oriented towards me only When I hear that, I think, man, I need an example. That seems very hard to do for human beings. We're proud. We like to be self-centered. We like to self-actualize. We like to put self first. Jesus gives a different way. In fact, when Paul knew we would need an example, he goes right to Jesus. Do nothing out of selfishness. Live a humble life. Verse 5 of Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who? Talking about Jesus. Though he was in the form of God. And now this is past tense. Jesus, right, was in the form, the very nature, the word morphe here means his very nature, God, did not count equality with God something to be robbed at or grasped at, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, human beings. 
If you want to see humility, the one who was God, who was all that, didn't act like it. If Jesus can humble himself, you and I certainly certainly can. This is crazy to think about, right? And it's been kind of captured for us beautifully in like the English language hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing by Charles Wesley. This idea of putting on human form, taking on the form of a servant, being born, right? A baby is where Wesley went to the lines, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, worship, right? Incarnate deity, pleased as man, human being, with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us. This is Jesus' purpose in being embodied, right? To reveal to us who God is, but more than that, verse 8 of Philippians 2, and being found in human form. He humbled himself. This was a chosen act by Jesus by becoming obedient to who? To the Father, to the point of death. He was fully submitted to the will of his Father. Uh, The cooperative nature of the death of Christ, the incarnation of Jesus, the sending of the Father of the Son into the world, the sacrificial death of Jesus, the Son offers himself freely as a sacrifice for our sins. This idea, right, that he would become obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is the highest act of humility that the God who created all things, the Godhead, the triune God, cooperatively would send Jesus, the Son of God, to humble himself, right, become obedient to the Father's will. Death, but not only that, death by crucifixion. I always think of the Latin word excruciating from the cross to think of the pain, the difficulty. Jesus was beat within inches of his life. He would have been nailed to a cross, hands and feet, not simply to be killed, but to be humiliated. Not not in this kind of idea, oh, let's do a nice little religious piece of jewelry someday. No, this was an instrument of heinous execution. They would have put people up on the main, they put them up high, like you're going to the mall so people could see it. To say, if you defy us, the Roman Empire, the power at the time, this is what happens to you, right? The embodiment of God was purposeful, right? Isaiah 53, written hundreds of years prior to even the invention of crucifixion, before the coming of Christ, that it was the will of the Father to crush him. That the, that the punishment that brought us peace was upon the Son of God. Jesus became a curse for us so that in him, in relationship with him, in union with him, we might become the righteousness of God. All sins forgiven, paid for. This humility was for the ultimate vindication of the justice of God, but also to express the mercy and forgiveness of God to us. Well, how do we respond to this, friends? It's Christmas time. You know how the Father responded to this? Therefore, God has highly exalted him, lifted Jesus up high, and given him, bestowed upon him, the name that is above every name. No name of a political leader, no name of a religious leader, no name of anyone alive today. Celebrities, athletes, politicians, people that we think are all that are not all that. You know who is the name above Every name, Jesus himself. Why? Because he humbled himself, fulfilled the purpose of God. So God lifts him up. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.
the only response to Christmas time that's appropriate has two movements, right? The bowing of the knee in allegiance, right? I submit myself, my will, my person, my all to God, to Jesus Christ, right? I bow the knee willfully. I don't want to bow the knee uh, as an obstinate rebel under the judgment of God. I bow my knee in worship. And every tongue confessed what God, Christ, Jesus, the chosen one, the Messiah, is Lord. Not the Caesars of the world. Not the political potentates of the world. But the Christ, the chosen one of God, the anointed one, the Messiah, is kurios. That's the word in the ancient world for Lord. It was used for the Caesar of Rome. The Christian community said, no, we confessed Christ the Lord. Why? To the glory, to the praise, to the honor of God the Father. Anytime you think about worship, we need to think about what we're doing. We are declaring one most valuable that actually is. C.S. Lewis years ago in his book, The Reflections on the Psalms, really wrestled with, when he was wrestling with believing in God and wrestling with the Psalms, he found it odd that God would demand, so much of the Psalms demand us to worship him, right? Praise him. Lewis originally found that weird. Like, cause he think about it. He thought it was like some power hungry dictator saying, everyone praise me. If you got like presidents or dictators or premiers of countries that want that all the time, have to be propped up and praised. It's a, it's a really nasty, ugly thing. But what if, right? God is truly God, most valuable, most beautiful, most wise, all goodness in himself. Then our right response is praise. Lewis in his, book reflections of the psalm says this he says the world rings with praise lovers praise their mistresses readers praise their favorite poet walkers praise the countryside players praising their favorite game praise of weather wines dishes actors motors horses colleges countries historical personages children flowers mountains rare stamps rare beetles right you got a friend that praises rare beetles even sometimes politicians or scholars we not only spontaneously praise what we value but we instinctively urge others to join in our praise rhetorically asking the question isn't she lovely wasn't it glorious don't you think that magnificent? This is our response to God. Now, here's the beauty, friends. Here's the shocker. And I experienced this as a new Christian the first time I ever took communion because I knew this thing was called Eucharist or Eucharistia. That's just a Greek word for Thanksgiving. I knew that taking communion for the first time as a Christian, I was partaking and participating in something holy, something special by which I was remembering the Son of God embodied, broken for me. And I couldn't believe I got to do it. I was almost shaking. Because praise, worship is participatory. We do it embodied. And when we come before Almighty God in worship, right, we actually experience something wonderful for us. C.S. Lewis continues, it's not our compliment that lovers keep on, it's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. 
It is frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is or to come suddenly at the turn of the road upon some mountain valley or unexpected grandeur and then have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than a tin can in the ditch or to hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. You see, friends, when we praise and worship God, certainly at Christmas time, we not only want to express that value, but we receive a completion in our own desires and our own loves in a way that's beautiful. And not only that, hopefully you'll be maybe in a Christmas Eve service this week, maybe in a gathering on the 26th, the day after uh, the feast of Christmas time, being able to look to the left or to the right to real embodied worshipers who get to stand together in an assembly called the church to praise Christ. So friends, this Christmas let us marvel at the embodiment of the Son of God. Let's, let, let us express worship, right? Like, like Linus exhorted us through Luke chapter 2. Let us express praise for the embodied God. Jesus Christ. This week, I'm going to end with a little different music as we head out of the podcast. It is my favorite Christmas hymn. This is Charles Wesley with a modern arrangement. Uh, This is a favorite arrangement from the home team family. This is from the 2011 album, A Child is Born, from Sojourn Music. And indeed, friends, it is glorious. The Gospel Underground Podcast is produced in partnership with the Bonhoeffer House. Review us on iTunes, five stars. Send a year-end gift to the Gospel Underground. We could we could use it this year. Send your comments, feedback, or questions you might want us to take up here to info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture where God bridged heaven and earth through a newborn king. Enjoy the song, friends, as you head out. I'm going to vibe with it with you. God and sinners reconciled. Peace. God bless you this Christmas season. Enjoy this on Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you find your music. Album Child is Born, Sojourn Music. Glory, friends. Glory, friends. Praise Him this Christmas. Peace.